welcome to the Supergirl Supercast, part of the Incomparable Network of Podcasts. Today, uh, we're going to be talking about Season 3, Episode 14 of Supergirl, Shot Through the Heart. I'm your host, Trish Matson, And I'm David Schaub. This is the karaoke podcast, isn't it? <laughs> sure, break into song at any point. <laughs> so, uh, it's been three months since we podcasted about Supergirl because the show has been on hiatus, um, partly due to the, to the CW rearranging its schedule to uh, make room for Black Lightning, the new superhero show, which is not quite, which is not set in the uh, Arrowverse like Supergirl is. But anyway, that was an excellent show, and I recommend everybody watch it. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about Supergirl. Can you tell us what happened in the latest episode, David? We bring you the news, so Kara doesn't have to do her day job. <laughs> Wynn's mum is back, plot. Wynn's dad, the toy man, has died. Wynn's mum returns after 20 years missing. She tries to give her side of the story, but ends up as bait. Everyone fights toys, and Wynn and his mum defeat the new toy woman. Monel talking to X about Weiss Lies, plot. It turns out Emra and Brainy want to stop pestilence from evolving into blight. Wait, is there an evolution item for that Pokemon? After stalking his ex all day, he finally tells Kara. John and Jones and Dad plot. Alex figures out that Mirren has a degenerative neurological condition. After initially refusing to tell his son, Mirren tells John. Oh, and James just can't get through to Lena on the phone. Right. Some people I know were a little surprised that we didn't jump back into the uh, whole Rain World Killers arc for this season. Uh, instead, we had this win-centric episode, but I was happy enough with that, although not with all of the plot points, but happy enough with being win-centric because we haven't seen a whole lot of him this season other than one-liners here and there, and I like Win's character. I much prefer them doing this with Win, where they give us a character and a story for him, rather than seeming to have him just do some magic off the scene to help the plot move forward in the episode. He's in the computer lab solving lots of problems in the previous stories, but it's nice to see a story where he's more central to it. Right, and of course this is, you know, his big life thing is that his dad was the toy man, and so, you know, character development would... You know, I suppose there are various things they could do with him. He could try to enhance his brain and, and grow mad, or he could um, have another romance since Lyra seems to have vanished, as far as I can tell. Um, and, or, you know, bringing back from his, his ugly past, that makes a lot of sense for delving more into Wynn's character. So, he and the gang are doing karaoke, and uh, as, as Marin or Pops Jones says, uh, karaoke is not for the weak. It requires great courage or a complete lack of shame. But um, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it. Um, so that was that was fun. It was nice to see Jean taking Pops out, uh, you know, to socialize. But while Wynn is just about to sing Take On Me for his karaoke bit, the TV shows that his father was found dead in prison. And uh, he ran out to the alley and James followed and they had a little 
heart to heart. Um, and uh, he says he doesn't want to talk. And James says, okay, but I'm not leaving you out here alone. And so he just they just kind of silently sit together uh, or stand, I guess, in the alley. And I liked that bit. James does really good when he is a supportive friend. Mm-hmm. That works really well. I really, really liked the beginning of this episode with the karaoke scene. Mm-hmm. I admit that I've gone to foreign countries for work and hung out in karaoke bars among a bunch of people <laughs> who don't speak English but can sing English songs better than I can. And I really did enjoy this. It's it's not quite, I think, at the level where Angel got to, where the karaoke as seeing into your heart and future. But uh, I'm really always happy to see a fun karaoke scene. Um, right, right. Yes, it was it was nice, and then they came back to it at at the end. So it was uh, nice to get that little bit in there. I I do like the um, scenes of them having, you know, when they have scenes of them all having fun and and bonding together instead of just going from mission to mission. Um, so anyway, we uh, then cut to the funeral uh, where there are. Not many mourners for uh, uh, the Toy Man, just basically the six friends grouped around uh, the grave. And Wynn doesn't, you know, toss or scatter dirt onto the coffin. You know, he hurled a clod of dirt at the coffin. (laughs) Take this coffin. And then they start uh, lowering it in, and a woman is off to the side, and uh, Wynne is shocked to realize that it's his mother. Oh, you're here for me. It's a little late. And she says uh, she understands he's upset and angry at her, but they are finally safe. And then the casket starts playing Pop goes the weasel, and Supergirl realizes there's going to be a bomb, and quick changes from Kara to Supergirl, and saves Wynn and his mom. And I guess everybody else takes care of themselves. Let's not underestimate, understate how fast that change was. (laughs) Wow, did she change quickly. (laughs) Yes, yes, and I had to run off into the trees and change there and come back really quickly. (laughs) Within about a second. Right. <laughs> okay, so uh, then, you know, when says that this doesn't mean anything, he was just a crazy person who didn't have any friends and it was just a joke. Uh, and he's convinced it's not part of any larger thing because he doesn't want to think about it being part of any lo- larger thing. Okay, so then we go into the subplot about... Uh, Marin, or you know, Pops Jones, he is at the at the DOE, and they um, sorry, the DEO, <laughs> and uh, he's ordering pizza, and Alex is confused because she thought that they were cooking together, and uh, to to save returning back and back again to this, uh, it turns out that um, he is suffering from some kind of aphasia slash. Alzheimer's thing that they give some Martian name for, but basically he he is uh, having a bit of mental issues. Um, he is afraid to talk. Well, not afraid. He's very reluctant to yes. talk to Jean about it. Um, and, uh, you know, so there's a continuing plot of Alex wants... Alex, I don't know why she observes... Before Jean, who, um, you know, lives with the guy, but maybe Jean has been chalking up it up to his dad just not being, having problems learning English or something. I think they played that very well, though. 
they gave us the reasoning on both sides. So Alex is able to see it because she went through that mm-hmm. in her family. And therefore, she sort of had that experience of what that can look like. And mm-hmm. while there's no good reason it would look exactly the same in Martian, whatever, we can, we can hand wave that part. And mm-hmm. they even covered that with the time that Mirren forgot how to say wine, that it was clearly that John was interpreting that entirely as a language issue of learning English and right. not being able to find the right word rather than mm-hmm. losing words altogether, memory altogether. Right. They played it well to sort of explain how Alex could see that, whereas John, who's also closer and would sort of be used to the mannerisms more, might miss it. Mm-hmm. Sort of the third party view. So I, I think I think it worked well with Alex being able to spot it. One thing I noticed on the second watch through was John says that we're having dinner with Kara and Alex. And then Kara basically just stays at the DEO for no apparent reason. Yeah. There's this brief moment saying, wait a second, Kara was supposed to go? Well, why didn't she? I don't know. I okay. I don't know either, but I'm in favor in general of having other people have plot lines without having to shove Kara into everything that's going on. It's true she was not needed in that. Right. You know, Alex is a fine actress, and I'm happy to see her. Uh, well, I mean, the actress who plays her <laughs> is fine, and I'm I'm glad to see, uh, you know, uh, she's so good with the emotional stuff and the caring concern um, and, you know, the competency. All of that played into what she did, and I loved her emotional beats too where um she was trying to convince uh Marin to talk to Jean and uh Marin got really angry at her and ordered her out of the house and and then Jean was afraid that they had had some quarrel and she she refused to explain what happened and just said you really need to talk to your father and i just really loved how all that played out really quite amazing in that Marin is so calm and nice generally to have this scene where he suddenly becomes angry and upset is really quite shocking mm-hmm. right and it was like wow and and i was rather surprised by that and therefore it had the transition is so strong that it gave it a fair amount of emotional intensity mm-hmm. and after john had obviously talked with his dad he came into the deo and just looked at Alex, and they didn't have to explain it in words. They just looked at each other and then hugged, and that was really nicely done. It was. They could just tell. Over dinner, they also had the interesting conversation as to the sort of racial choice that the production team has, which is that all green Martians are played by black actors. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a fascinating, fascinating conversation. Um, I really liked all the aspects of the conversation. It's just I didn't quite understand then why all Martians on Mars also do it. And they did kind of cover that, that they sort of, they look like their guests. Mm-hmm. It still seems like there's a production decision. And mm-hmm. this is sort of an, an interesting way of explaining it, but it isn't a consistent way of explaining it. Right. So, so uh, for anyone listening along who didn't actually watch the episode, uh, Alex asked um, why they were choosing, you know, as aliens, alien shapeshifters, to live on uh, Earth as black people, black Americans, which of course makes life uh, harder on them than it would have been otherwise. And uh, 
Jean said that, you know, at first he was forced into it because of taking over Hank Henshaw's identity, um, who was a black man. And Jean said that he viewed continuing to be shapeshifted as a black man as a way to make a difference uh, in the world. And Marin, his father, said that he, you know, also took a black identity uh, in order to support his son in that struggle. And, you know, I thought that was, uh, as you said, a, a nice way of addressing that. It was. So I guess uh, back to the Toy Man and Winshot uh, plot. For some reason, Wynn's mom is being allowed to hang around at the DEO headquarters, and she's poking into stuff and, you know, being all bright and chipper and trying to get Wynn to talk with her, and he is having none of it, um, until finally her interference gets so bad that he, you know, goes off with her to, to have it out. Well, I agree she's bright and chipper. Her dry, dark sense of humor is really quite wonderful. <laughs> right. She was, he, Wynn was trying to tell her about security and you can't be here. And she says, oh, no one cares. And that was such a meta moment because we've talked so much about how people waltz in and out of DEO. And <laughs> I laughed and laughed. I had to pause it and just laugh at that. <laughs> There is also the scene later on where she walks into an armory and takes a gun because no one bothers locking the door on an armory. <laughs> uh, their security is so bad. Apparently they should unionize. They're not being paid enough to care about security. I guess. <laughs> they we, we all have our troubles and none of them are security, apparently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had this thing with mary's character and i came to the conclusion that i simply watched too much star trek the next generation and while watching it i was just going is there any chance she's a robot yeah yeah even on the second watching i was going ah there's nothing here that really implies it but i just have that feeling and i don't think it's true but i was surprised how much i sort of viscerally felt the hmm was she gone away for 20 years or was she just turned on yeah i mean it's it it would be it would play in well to the conventions of comic book for her not to be who she said she was yeah uh, to be a clone or a robot or you know something some some other thing but no it turned out that she really was and uh she she told when uh, at some point and actually she told him a couple of times but once in more detail and he finally got it, got it that she had stayed away uh, for so long because her husband the toy man had told her that if she tried to get in contact with when he the toy man would kill when and when kind of scoffed at that the first time uh you know how could you be so how could you expect me to believe something like that or how could you be so dumb as to believe that and then later you know she explained that you know originally she didn't want to just leave when with uh her husband that she when they were trying when she told him they were going to disneyland and then they got it in an accident and never got back it turned out that her husband had run them off the road and that's when he made the threat that if she didn't leave and go away and never come back and never get in contact with win that he would kill win just to hurt her and when finally 
accepted the truth of that. So the Disneyland story was when Wynn was nine, and then Toy- the Toy Man finally cracked when he was 11. So there, he was just living with his dad for two years? I didn't quite track the timeline there. That's that's my understanding of it, that he um, was just living alone with his dad for some years after that incident. Um, I don't remember the ages, but uh, yeah, that he was with his dad. Um, and uh, apparently, you know, his dad was weird and obsessive, but not abusing him. Just uh, not being a great dad in general, but, you know, not uh, not actually hurting him uh, physically, at least. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's what happened. It had difficulty dealing with the idea that he would threaten Wynn's life to get back at the mom. But on the other hand, he was really messed up. And I guess that shows just how messed up he was. Yeah, I mean, there are certainly plenty of sad incidents where... Uh, men hurt their own children in order to hurt their their wives. I've you know I've I've read stories where that was cited as the reason. Uh, so I didn't find that incredible at all. <laughs> so, unfortunately, uh, so, yes. Yeah, unfortunately, that you know did not ring that that rang true or you know reasonable for me. So uh, that was that was just a, uh, an interesting and. You know, it, it makes me think about um, women who don't get believed uh, when they talk about abuse and stuff. Um, and, you know, when they do a good job of hiding it from their children. Protecting that, them, yeah. Right. To protect their children, that also leaves their children ignorant of what really happened. So uh, I thought that was all interesting. And so anyway, well, after they've had... The first part of this heart-to-heart, not the part about running them off the road, but just that she said they were threatened. Um, the uh, DEO gets attacked by flying monkeys. <laughs> as, as one uh, does. <laughs> as one does. Oh, flying robot monkeys. Sorry. So, yes, that was back to the Toy, toy Man plot. Um, and uh, one of the flying monkeys, Sky, wrote, Surrender, Mary. Um, whether Mary is supposed to surrender or whether they are supposed to surrender her. I did not know quite what that meant, I have to say. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, obviously that's from Surrender Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, from which the flying monkeys also came. But um, anyway, uh, uh, stuff happens. They do some investigating or actually... What is it? Mary gets told to come, or is it when that who gets told to come? So to Ma- the Mary, Mary opens up a part of the monkey and sees the logo of the toy factory. Oh right, and she palms right. it, and then goes have a nap, and then goes a gun from the armory. Right, the unlocked armory. <laughs> yes. Okay. So then, uh, af- after the monkey attack, is when she tells when about uh, her dad's running hitting them with his car running them off the road and um so mom got a text or something and said that she needed a break anyway so she got the gun and went outside when at some point after that asks if anyone has seen his mom and then they get a message uh from a woman saying i have your mother and they all go to rescue her I'd also like to quickly give a shout out just to how well Wynn did on the the performance of when he was telling the story to his mom. 
because it was just framed with just him in the shot, just delivering it. And he's just, mm-hmm. he did it so well. Yes. They sold that performance so well and they did it so well. They made it so painfully sad. Yes, they absolutely really did. All around. Right. If I didn't think that Wynn was a good actor, I wouldn't be delighted at his actually getting a Wynn centric episode, but he, he absolutely lived up to it. And, absolutely. uh, the actress that they got for his mom also, you know, just thoroughly sold it for me. Um, so, yeah, I thought that whole thing, the, the emotional beats of this, as opposed to the fighting the evil villain beats. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really I really liked how they told the emotional stories in this episode. The episode does get a little weaker, unfortunately, as soon as we do meet the toy woman. First get the scene where she walks up to her with a gun pointing at her, and then proceeds to get trapped, even though all she had to do was shoot. And then we get more monologuing from the toy woman. And mm-hmm. I don't think she did a bad job, but it's just the context around a lot of it I was a little unimpressed with. Yeah, I mean, she says that she worked at the prison where the toy, ma- toy man uh, was incarcerated, and he paid attention to her and... Sorry, he paid attention to her and taught her many wonderful things. And so she was carrying on his legacy. And meh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That prison must have very impressive resources. I guess. Um, They must have quite a shop class or something. So, yeah, you know, the woman is crazy and does crazy things to carry out the legacy of her mentor i just you know fine it got the plot plot going so <laughs> i did briefly look it up on wikipedia one of the other people who have been the toy man was a jack and they just gender swapped and this is jacqueline huh. it is interesting it is basically one of the other people who have been the toy man in comic history mm-hmm. but i suppose all you have to be is really good at engineering and crazy right (laughs) okay so anyway everybody goes to the factory except they split up into groups of when and hence his mom and everybody else um and fight 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 uh eventually they defeat the uh evil villainous and you know i don't feel any need to discuss that in detail but if anything struck you about it go ahead well, my daughter watched a bit of the episode, and she said it seemed a lot like they were fighting Toy Story. <laughs> there were some parts of the fighting I actually liked. I thought some of it was reasonably choreographed, and some of it was reasonably fun. Mm-hmm. I really quite liked the fact that all of the uber-super-powerful people that were there were basically entirely sidelined and had no effect on the plot. That's true. That's a good point. Supergirl got encased in... A hard shell plastic wrapping or something like that? That, on the other hand, I had problems with. (laughs) Had they just been fighting the dinosaur and all of that, I I could have coped with that. And I would have liked the fact that that wasn't actually as important as Wynn and his mom actually defeating the toy woman. But they went so far to get the sight gag of putting Supergirl in an action figure packaging. And I'm going Mm -hmm. like, ah, she lifted up a submarine. I can't cope with this. Yeah, that has been a perennial problem with uh, Supergirl is power imbalance silliness. 
but uh, as you said, what the the effect? Yeah, it would have been better to just have kept them busy with swarms of dinosaurs or something like that. But uh, but you're right. I do like that uh, that way of keeping them busy or keeping them uh, out of the main action. Let when it when it has mom work together well uh, and be heroes, basically. Exactly. That aspect of it worked well. Um, that reminded me of one other thought I had about the uh, the Jones plotline, um, is that uh, with all the world killer stuff that's going to be coming up, they're going to have an effective excuse for... Why is John John Jones the Martian man, Manhunter? Why is he not helping in this situation? Because they do like to sideline him during uh, action things with Supergirl, and here, you know, he's going to be taking care of his dad as his dad uh, uh, loses his facilities, and so I, you know, I'm not sure that that's what's going to happen. But given what they've done before, it looks like certainly an option for them. I could see that. It's a problem because they go occasionally and depower Supergirl for plot reasons, but Mm -hmm. they just generally entirely ignore John Jones in that he is not only remarkably powerful, but also just so varied in his abilities that it's a a problem that they just mostly politely ignore, which is always Mm -hmm. a little sad. (laughs) Let's see. So... We have some Monel things to talk about. We do. I was just thinking about that. So Monel wants to talk to Kara about problems with Enra, and Kara tries very hard to not listen. She does not want to hear about his problems with his wife. You know, no <laughs> as kidding. as is understandable. <laughs> But finally, Monel tells her, uh, "You know, it's it's not just relationship stuff. There's there are deep dark secrets about why we're actually here that I need to talk with you about." Are they that deep or that dark? Like, there's lots of setup for this that I don't quite understand. Mm. Beyond the fact that I had problem with the last episode in that it's sort of this story about how Monel and Emma are having problems, but presumably because of actor timing issues. Emmer barely showed up in that episode. We have another episode of Monel dealing with lies that are coming from his relationship issues with his wife, and she doesn't show up at all. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, ah. Like, I know she's maybe not under a contract that would allow her to be in all the episodes or something like that, but that just produces these bizarre setups. This is not boding well for their relationship that she doesn't show up in the show while he's dealing with <laughs> issues with their relationship. <laughs> Right. I mean, maybe if, if they're mad at each other and not talking, that explains why she doesn't come to karaoke with the gang. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it, you know, it goes back to the whole problem with, you know, we were so puzzled by the first episode where, where they, they were here. Why was Monel sneaking around and, you know, act, attacking people and acting out of character? And we thought maybe there would be turn out to be a good reason for that. And there just hasn't ever been. And now here's, here's this thing. Um, okay, it turns out that they didn't just go back here accidentally. They were sent back here to take out pestilence, basically deal with the world killers and if they knew about if 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 they knew about the world killers before it all started happening or 
if, sorry, not they, Monel didn't know, but if Imra and Brainy knew about the world killer, killers and how they were going to progress, uh, and there, you know, more than one, and and there would be, you know, if they would be evolving, why didn't they talk about it before instead of just waiting, waiting, waiting until finally, yeah. <laughs> it's just frustrating. It's very frustrating. It it makes so little sense. Like the implication that they didn't tell Monel because Monel wouldn't want to come back to this time doesn't really make any sense. Would you like to save the universe? You have to go back to this time. Well, no, I can't do that. <laughs> what is he going to say? Is there any reason to not tell the DEO people why they're actually there? No. Was there any reason no. for Monel being creepy at the beginning of, this, of the season? No. So it's just <laughs> all of these aspects of this issue make no sense except that well they want to have Monel being in lots of scenes and they want to have some drama between Monel and Kara so they've sort of invented this drama but it just feels like this so heavily constructed drama that they're adding here and and not having Emma around makes it even worse i quite like how supergirl does respond fairly maturely saying okay we're talking about this but you should know this is not a reasonable conversation to be having with me in this context. And right. I like that aspect of it, but it's just everything surrounding it just doesn't seem to hold up. And maybe they can try and pull this together, but I don't think they're going to. I wonder if there was something else that they were, that the show writers were planning at the beginning that didn't work out because the logic, you know, I, I'm sure they thought a lot about the world killer arc for the whole season before they started, but this there 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 are just some bumps in the road that seem unnecessary. We'll see. I still don't quite understand the whole pestilence evolves into blight. That 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 line still blows me away. Yeah. <laughs> as the as I as I think the only people I know who use the word evolve like that are people who play Pokemon. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. My daughter actually also asked me why there were only three world killers, not four. That confused her too. Uh-huh. Right. Was there anything else you wanted to discuss there, or shall we move on just to the the finale? Right, with the finale, the beginning of the finale, uh, Monel is singing Carry On My Wayward Son, which I thought was hilarious, and he is so bad at it. I wonder if he's um, actually bad or whether he's trying to sing bad. You can never tell on shows. Um, let's see, he was, he was in a coma or something in the Music Meister episode, right? Ah, good point. Uh, so, so we don't know. <laughs> and Wynn sings, uh, and it's, it's bad. Um, <laughs> Wynn, we know, can sing. And for some reason, Wynn's mom, well, uh, she says, now, now I can leave, you don't need me, Wynn says. And Wynn wants her to, to, uh, stay. Um, but she tells him, you know, she's so proud of him that, You've not only survived, you have excelled. And that was sweet. And it was when she said, you know, you don't need me. I I can leave now. It felt like she was expecting him not to want her around. And so she was trying to make a graceful exit for herself. And as is appropriate, Wynne would have none of that. That's right. But I don't know if we'll actually see her on the show anymore. Yeah, hard to say there. Guess acting parents tend to only show up briefly. So mm -hmm. we, we might see her again. If she turns out to be a robot, we'll definitely see her again. But I expect <laughs> well, she's not a robot. Right, that's right. <laughs> okay, so uh, 
I just want to point out that uh, the idea of a family dinner at, at the Jones house uh, with just the two of them is ghost pepper, macaroni, and cheese with a side of jalapenos. <laughs> you know, that sounded pretty good. I think it would depend a lot on how much ghost pepper was in that mac and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm, they, 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 uh, I guess they can take more chemical hits <laughs> than ordinary people. Finally, James gets a call from Lena, and he says, Where have you been? I'm trying to reach you. And she says she's sorry. She didn't realize how massive the workload back at Elcorp would be. Um, and, of course, then we see that she's lying. She's in some kind of medical lab with Sam, who is lying on, you know, lying in a hospital bed or something. Maybe in some type of containment facility, too. Oh, yeah, it did look, you know, I wasn't sure whether that was just for security or, but it could be medical or some other kind of isolation, too, to try and stop the commands uh, from getting through to, to Sam to turn her into rain. Maybe. We have no idea. I know people had issues with this being sort of a sudden left turn episode and not about world killers. But I really, really liked that not only was it sort of this left turn and we're not going to deal with that plot, but every once in a while we have James trying to call Lena and failing. Yes. It's just a little reminder saying, yeah, we know. Yeah, yeah. We, we know we're ignoring <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah. We know what we're doing. And I really yes. like that. He had two, two attempts where he, during the episode where he tried to call and fail. And then we get the reveal at the end. Right, and also I liked that they didn't make a big deal out of it. You know, he didn't tell anyone else, oh, I've been trying to call Lena and she's not picking up. Well, no one else knows they're a couple. <laughs> oh, that's right, that's right. <laughs> because everyone has to have secrets on yeah, this show. Everyone has to have secrets. If you're not lying about something, you're on the wrong show. Um, <laughs> right, and that that made me think about how, you know... We've all been worried about what's going to happen when Lena finally finds out about Supergirl and Kara and James being the Guardian and every other thing that people have been lying about to her while pretending to be their best friend or, you know, being friends, but not as close friends as Lena thinks they are. Exactly. And now Lena has some secrets of her own, and that feels like good balance to me. <laughs> it was. While I did really like the setup, the ending seemed a little bit like a letdown. I, I kind of, the other option was there'd be some scene where, for some reason, Lena woke up Rain and like is now stuck in the fortress of Sanctuary or whatever it's called and has uh, been captured or something like that. I was a little surprised that it was just, well, we've been working downstairs in a basement somewhere and I've been ignoring my phone. I was a little surprised it wasn't a, a bit of a bigger reveal at the end. And we still mm -hmm. don't know if she knows that she's Rain. I'll be shocked if she doesn't, but we don't know that for sure. It was interesting, but I, yeah, I, I like the setup a little bit more than the reveal. I don't know. I liked the reveal okay. I think we may well come to a point where uh, Rain takes Lena and uh, puts her, you know, in endurance vial somewhere um I, she she although you know i don't i don't know why she would bother with a human like that but she might anyway uh if she used it as a leverage over kara uh remind me do, do we know does 
Sam and Rain, do they know that Supergirl is Kara? That is a good question. Sam definitely doesn't. Right. I don't think Rain does. I don't yeah. know if she cares. Uh, yeah, I don't think they know. Um, I, I was just trying to think of how it would turn, how, why Lena would come into Rain's plot orbit. Um, and that would be a possibility if she knew that uh, Supergirl was Kara and that Kara and Lena were friends. Um, but If Rain wakes up right now, Lena's the only person there. So <laughs> mm-hmm. right. definitely be interactions there. This episode was a little strange, and I almost want to double-check how long this episode was, because this is a long time that happened where we've there was no episode, no scenes in Catco, and therefore we have no scenes of Kara trying to talk to who are her, apparently her best friends, Sam and Lena, because they've been they've been getting much closer, and the season's done a fairly good job of hmm. making those three. Spend more time socially and become right. All, all the bonding that they've been yeah, doing exactly. And Therefore, you have this point where both of them vanish for for what three days, mm-hmm. and we only see James noticing. That is disturbing. Yes, maybe this didn't take that long, but it takes a little while for them to do um, multiple doctors and dental scans and that, and going from when the toy man died to when the funeral would be. Mm-hmm. There's clearly some time passing there. Right. It just seems a little strange that, weirdly, we didn't get a lot of Kara Hmm. as a human, as it were, in this Mm -hmm. story. I expect that will get corrected in the next episode. (laughs) We'll go back to Kara-centric and Supergirl-centric episodes very soon, I'm sure. Probably exactly. even next time. Um, but I did uh, I did like that we got a little break from the world killer plot line uh, and got to take this trip into Wynn's past and uh, present. And, and as I said, the emotional beats with the Jean and Marin Jones. So plot-wise, there were things that disturbed me a bit. Emotionally, I really liked the episode. Exactly. I really liked this episode, even though there were a couple beats uh, with uh, Monel and a couple beats with the Toy Woman that I just really. <laughs> <laughs> but I did really like the episode overall, and some of the stuff with Mirren and some of the stuff with Wynn were just so well acted that, that they were just great to watch. Right. And where's Ruby? Oh yeah. We have an entire episode about kids being abandoned by their parents. Where's Ruby? Right. Um, well, maybe Lena has her stashed in the uh, L Corp family. <laughs> uh, not, you know, day nursery or whatever. Um, yeah, for three days. She's a little old for that. but um, That's impressive child care for a business to offer. <laughs> 24-hour daycare. I don't know. It's, you know, it's L Corp. She has people who can take care of uh, Ruby, um, although that doesn't sound very warm and emotional. Yeah, we'll have to see. I would hope they'll at least make some reference to that in the next episode. So we'll see. Right, right. I mean, there was my hypothesis earlier that uh, Alex, who wants children, would eventually end up being uh, Ruby's surrogate mother. But um, It feels so pat, and I could just see it happening so easily. 
Right, right. But that certainly hasn't happened yet since Alex doesn't know what's going on with Sam and Ruby. Oh, okay. Well, we have certainly interesting stuff to look forward to um, as the as we, you know, there, there's the world killers. But more importantly to me, what happens with Sam and Ruby and Alex and Lena and all of them, um, the uh, fighty plot lines will go on. But I'm at this point, I'm more interested in what is happening with the people. And I think they will get back to that. So we'll see. Yep. So I guess that pretty much wraps up our discussion for this time. I would like to thank the Incomparable Network for hosting us. Thanks to our audio editor, Seth Heasley, for making us sound much better than we are. And thank you to all of our listeners out there. We'd love to continue this discussion on the Incomparable Facebook group or the members Slack channel and Twitter, sorry, we have a Twitter handle now, at SG Supercast. So if anyone wants to talk with us about any of these plot points or things they've thought of that we haven't, uh, let us know. And finally, thank you, David, for uh, this excellent conversation. Thank you very much, Trish. And we'll be back following the next episode of Supergirl. Supergirl.